TaylorMade Partnerships provides an unmatched entry and experience into both the racing and breeding side of the thoroughbred industry. Now you can be a part of top-level racing and breeding with all the rewards and less risk and cost. Medallion Racing has enjoyed great success through the years with 66% of starters running in graded stakes and 25% in grade ones. Last year, Medallion was fortunate enough to have an impressive four Breeders' Cup starters. Similarly, our Bloodstock Investments has discovered great value on the breeding side of the game, buying and selling such standouts as Improbable, Bast, Cutting Humor, and Flame Away, among others. Join us and experience the thrill. With us, <laughs> with us, with us, your family. Learn more at tailormadepartnerships.com. Hello and welcome back to our Breeders' Cup Final Answers show brought to you by our friends at TaylorMade Partnerships. We are here live at Malone's Prime in Lexington. People are hanging from the rafters. We've got an amazing crew, a little bit of a noisy crew. I'm sure they'll chill soon because we've got so much great information for you as we, not take it, as we go through these nine races on Breeders' Cup Saturday. And it all starts off with race number three, the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint and we, I'll do the intros as we do the picks for this one. We're going to start off with the man who comes to us from TaylorMade Partnerships and Medallion Racing, Philip Shelton. How are we going to light this candle on Breeders' Cup Saturday? I think um, I'm going to go with obligatory. Uh, those of you guys that were in the Derby Syndicate, she was like strongest opinion of the whole day, and she came through. Um, I think two back in the Better Roses, she got beat by Bella Sophia. The pace scenario didn't work in her favor. Last race at Saratoga, the pace was absolutely lightning quick, and she did run on, but I think the, the dynamic of that race probably favored Goodnight Olive. Um, so in my mind, it just feels like there's a ton of speed. you got slammed down on the rail, who's got to go. You've got hot peppers drawn to the outside. I think those two are just going to ensure a fast pace, and Obligatory is absolutely going to be the one that could take advantage of the hot pace. You know, Goodnight Olive's done, you know, basically nothing wrong, and I couldn't fault anybody for picking her. But um, to me, I just laid it on obligatory. The way I handicap races is I look at it from a pace perspective first, and to me it feels like she's the biggest beneficiary of of what looks like a fast early pace. So I, I landed on her. Um, you know, I couldn't fault anybody that landed on Goodnight Olive. I get your top pick. I respect your top pick. I'll be backing your top pick in one form or another, but I think Goodnight Olive is going to get an absolutely great setup in here, has that stalk and pounce ability. She's so fast. She's getting so good. I'm going to really be focusing my attention on those two with a little bit of respect to the defending champ, one of my favorite horses in training, Cece, will be on a couple of tickets as well. Vanessa, do you have a view on this one? Uh, in, in a short answer, no. <laughs> to be honest with you, I listened to the In The Money Media podcast on the flight on the way over here and they rattle through all the races. They do it, the monster pods and so they've just got one person on talking about one race and then they move on to a new person to talk about the next race. And whoever did this race, the Phillies and Mare Sprint, they, they made the point that, you know, it's just such a tricky race. You've got the older horse taking on the younger horse. You've got horses. You can really pick holes in horses that are going back and trip, forward and trip. It's just a really tough race. It's on the dirt. It's not my remit, so I'm taking a pass, please. You're, fair enough. We'll, we'll, we'll allow you, like, two of those, and then we'll hold your feet to the fire as we go on. JK, what's your approach going to be to this race? Is it as simple as uh, Philip and I are making it sound? Um, you know, I, I think you need four horses to get through the race. I think you need CC to get through the race, obligatory, good night, Olive, and Echo Zulu. The one thing I'll say about Goodnight Olive is that, you know, people that bet horses love ones. And when you look at a horse's past performance and you see all those ones, people just can't help themselves with an undefeated horse. You know, she's not undefeated, but she's won, what, five in a row? She won at Saratoga. They're going to bet her like she can't lose. So true. People get overexcited with those ones. Yeah. And, and, and look, I, I think she's the most likely winner. And I think she's likely to win the race, but I need to have obligatory and I need to have Echo Zulu. So I'm going to pick Echo Zulu for, for a couple of reasons. One, she showed a lot of brilliance when she was, you know, a two-year-old. She obviously had the issue in the acorn where she was scratched. She came back in September in the dogwood and ran well and ran a number that suggests that she's going to take another step forward. And whenever Steve Asmussen's involved, I always trust they're going to take another step. 
Todd Pletcher, take another step. Chad Brown, take another step. I just think Echo Zulu might take another step. And people who watch the Fox shows, they probably probably like have a bingo game at home about it. <laughs> I love when tactical horses are drawn outside. I think that not getting stopped is so much more important than losing ground. And Echo Zulu's not going to get stopped from out there. She's tactical enough to find position. And I kind of love the idea of Ricardo winning a Breeders' Cup race on her after getting taken off last year. There are members of a certain speed figure methodology waiting outside to fight JK after those (laughs) words. That's kind of inside. But if you know, you know. Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile is race number five on Saturday. Nice JK. Oh, did I? Host fail. We need Please a, do we not need miss a, this race. Too Jesus much, Christ. Too much bourbon. Thank you. <laughs> the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint is next up. It's race number four on Breeders' Cup Saturday. We're going five and a half. And, JK, we're going to keep it with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you need three horses here, two of them more than the others. I think Golden Pal and Highfield Princess. Um, I'll let Vanessa talk a little bit more about her. I, I just know that she's good. She runs fast numbers. But the same way I felt about the juvenile turf sprint, in turf sprints in general, horse players typically hate turf sprints because there's seven speed horses in there. You pick the closer and the horse gets stopped, doesn't get there. Then you're like, I hate this race. What happened? Why that horse wire? <laughs> horses who find the front in turf sprints win. Golden Pal is going to be well clear And this is, I would guess that if he stepped on a turf course more than Keeneland, I don't know which one it is. Um, I think he's going to be hard to beat. If for whatever reason he does get beat, it's because he went too fast and it fell apart. And I kind of like Casa Creed. So I'll use Casa Creed a little bit defensively, but most of my money is going to run through Golden Pal and Highfield Princess. Vanessa, let's get your impression on this one. I think you probably have a pretty good idea of how golden pal stacks up over the best of the shippers yeah this uh, this race i'm so looking forward to it. it's a real europeans versus the americans this race more so really than the longer turf races for me this year which is quite rare but this highfield princess like she comes to having won these group ones she's done over five furlongs she's done over six and a half she's done it on all grounds she's done it from the front she's done it having to pass horses you know you talk about that form line in the nunthorpe with the platinum queen she was giving the platinum queen 17 pounds that day 17 pounds in a sprint think about that and she came there cantering on the bridle and kicked past her with two and a half lengths like it was an incredible performance when she went to the curra over shorter in the flying five she literally jason Hart had to take a pull on her to make sure that like she wasn't going too well uh, with like a furlong left to run and then when she when he presses go off she goes i completely understand what you're saying about the you know, golden pal is incredible in himself i really respect him in this race but this is a bit of a head heart and home job for me because highfield princess comes from yorkshire i'm from yorkshire originally everything in my head says she's the one in this race and my heart as well because she's got this great ownership story she's owned and bred by a chap called john fairley he would be big in the business over in england and he's actually the reason i ended up in horse racing and the reason that i ended up in the media game Uh, he's just a brilliant man and his family is wonderful and it's a real rags to riches story. I'm kind of selling it to you as a head and heart angle, but I promise you that the fraction she runs, she's the when you go back to the Nunthorpe run, she she ran the middle three furlongs in 31 and a half seconds, yet she was the only horse in the whole field to dip under 12 seconds in the final furlong. And that just highlighted how hard she is to beat and that she's actually more compatible with these North American sprinters than any other horse we've brought over here in recent times. And for me, she's kind of like just putting on her invincibility cloak coming here, whereas Golden Pal, his cloak is kind of slipping. Well, uh, and I will say this. I think there's two points to make from, and I, I love what you're saying. There's two points that you have to take from this if you're if you're listening, watching, and you're here. If the Platinum Queen gallops on Friday, you have to love Highfield Princess when she comes back, based on what we just heard. Yeah, right? yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and I think you just have to consider that. But also, if what you say is true about Highfield Princess, you kind of have to love the Platinum Queen, too, against two-year-olds. <laughs> 
I just you that's have worth to pausing take that on into consideration. That's worth pausing that's on for a second because I know Vanessa, you came in here wanting to back the Platinum Queen, and we're super concerned about that draw. We'll go back to Friday for one like quick. Yeah, second. it's just very quickly that I I totally understand what you're saying. It would make much more sense for me to be really strong on Highfield Princess and really strong on the Platinum Queen. That's basically what you're saying. And there I was taking on the Platinum Queen with Dramatized. I think for me it's more the the draw angle with with the Platinum Queen. Nervous about that just through nature of that wide draw draw 12 she's got but also the long the long season for her at this time in her career those were the two angles that have sort of put me off the platinum queen and put me on to trying to find something else at a bigger price whereas for highfield princess obviously i don't, I don't have those concerns as a mature five-year-old with a good draw i'm gonna sit on the fence in this race and you'll get splinters in your ass <laughs> for doing that That's such bad form we're on a tipping show well says me who's just done a pass on a on a dirt race <laughs> Just all I mean is sitting on the fence between a, a European angle and a USA angle. Because okay, well, you should have finished your sentence. <laughs> Campanelli is, is a, a, a filly I've loved for a very long time. I think they could go fast enough in here to bring her, like, sprinting stamina, as it were, into play. I think she's a reasonable alternative to the other favorites at an extremely pleasing price. I certainly respect Highfield Princess. I certainly respect Golden Pal. But I think most of my money is going to be uh, going to be running another way. And, I, and I'll just point this out. If you, if you go back and listen to the pot I did with Nick Luck today, he made an extremely compelling case for Emirati Anna as a long shot to include. Is that? Do you give any I, count? I I could back that up definitely. I'm literally just looking down my notes and I'm thinking I've already spoken enough and I'm <laughs> conscious that we need to move on from this race. But if I was to throw a lively each way horse in there and she will be so he will be so forgotten in this race because there's so much more high profile angles in here. But Emma Artiana I think he'll come here, he'll bring his best, they'll have had him ready for this race. Um, his, form, his form figures kind of read worse than his form actually is for various reasons. But at a, at a big price, if you wanted to take a swing with something to fill the places, Amaratiana would be in there for me. And it's interesting, I didn't know that about Nick Luck as well. Philip, what do you think about the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to try to beat Golden Pal, but you know, last time, I mean, last year in the Breeders' Cup, just thought, ah, oh, he's a three-year-old, he's got to run against older. And he was like ran the first hundred yards of any horse I've ever seen in my life, and he just spread eagle the field within three seconds, and the race was over. Um, you know, last time at Keeneland, he went twenty-one and one and forty-three and two fifths. I mean, you don't see horses at Keeneland go forty-four and two fifths. To me, he is just miles faster early. I agree with J.K. I could see a scenario where he just on his own goes too fast, and Highfield Princess picks him up. I could, I'm mildly intrigued by a horse, uh, brand number 12. He ran good when he came uh, to Churchill. He's proven he can at least do something at five and a half. He's gotten better. He won at Kentucky Downs, which is kind of a, a weird surface. Um, but I think he has run at least one race that is fast enough to fill the placings. He's going to be a big price. Um, he's a little bit versatile in the way he, he runs. And in this race, everybody's going to be chasing Golden Pal. Um, Wesley feels like he's able to get these horses to produce on the big day. And I don't want to, you know, I have a, the world of respect for Highfield Princess. I don't want to spend a ton of money trying to beat Golden Pal. Um, she feels like she's is going to have a great shot to, to run well. But it feels like on the big day, this horse just shows up in America. In Europe, it's a completely different, different story. But uh, in America, it feels like when he shows up and it, he needs to be on – He's at a different level. We're now P PTF, actually. Oh, yes, sir. You'll, you'll, you'll laugh at this. When he Please. said when he said that about Brand, I thought to myself that old. It may be true, maybe it's not. That old saying that John Sadler can't ship. <laughs> and I started thinking to myself, like, well, oh damn, like, what about Flightline? Yeah, just yeah. wait. <laughs> well, it I mean, is an old story. His, I mean, his first Breeders' Cup win was in Kentucky with right. Accelerate. Correct, yeah, but yeah, he yeah, had the, others that ran well. The, it's just the irony of me betting yeah. as much money as I have in my Breeders' yeah. Cup betting account. We'll, on flight line is we'll just get hilarious. There. We'll it's get there. Hilarious. Yes, we'll get there. We'll talk about that that stat as we get a little bit farther along in the show. But now it's actually time to talk about the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, a race I'm so excited about. I tried to get there early. Philip, we're gonna keep it with you. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting race. I think the big thing for a lot of these horses, this is one race that can change configuration based on the racetrack. Like at Churchill Downs, it's one turn. At Keeneland, it's two turns. Um, Two big things. I want horses that have some level of two-turn experience. 
and some horses that have early speed because it is a quick run into the first turn. They do not run this configuration very much at Keeneland because it is such a quick run into the first turn. Um, you know, I ended up settling on Laurel River. His last race was just dominant. Now, that was that one turn, but his two previous races at Del Mar were, were two-turn miles, and he ran really well. Um, I landed on him. I'm also intrigued with Pipeline. I think he ran great against Jackie's Warrior. That was a one-turn race. Um, he didn't run terrible in the, in the Monmouth Cup. Um, and, he, and he's a horse I, I think is intriguing because he's going to have early speed. He's going to be aggressively ridden. Um, but I ended up landing on Laurel River. And what I'm hoping is 9-2 is realistic. My concern is that it's Baffert and Irad. He comes in with a huge number that he could just be absolutely hammered and be, you know, I look up and he's 5-2, to two at, at which I might be rethinking the race. I was blown away by Cody Wish's last race. This was a fantastic effort against the profile of what I thought would have happened in there, looking at the internal fractions. Bill Mott with a target. That would be another thing on the In the Money Media bingo card in terms of things that we talk about all the time. I think he's laid out for this race. I think he's going to run absolutely huge. I respect Laurel River. I respect Gunite. But I'm going to be very much with Cody's wish in this spot. Vanessa, now I know you do have a view on this race because uh, I, I was near you when you saw um, a particular horse work in this race. When you looked at the form, did that match up with the visual impression of one of the key contenders in here? I have no idea which horse you're referring to. Cyberknife? No. <laughs> you loved Cyberknife when he came by the other day. No, sorry, I did. I did love Cyberknife when he came by the other day, but I, I can't I can't put him forward as a betting proposition okay. in this race. I don't know enough about these horses in this race, and so it'd be remiss of me to put You're him taking your second uh, pass. I'm okay. Do you know what? The only thing I would say, just as a slight side note, I am aware you're all here to have a punt, and I do understand that, but Cody's Wish, obviously named after the boy who's very, very poorly. And I had no idea of this story coming here to America. It just kind of had passed me by, to be honest with you. Look it up online, it's an incredible story. He was interviewed uh, by Gabby, is it Gabby? I think it's Gabby, yeah. on TVG on one, uh, yesterday morning. And you know his interview, like he can't communicate, so he uses this incredible technology to say what he wants to say. And uh, this is the boy that obviously the horse is named after. And I just walked away, I watched it on the big screen and I just thought we're so lucky. Like we're just unbelievably lucky and the poor kid, you know. This Breeders' Cup, more than any that I remember, there's an amazing storyline in oh, every so single many, race. So many, and, and sometimes they even uh, dovetail with horses we might want to bet. JK, who do you want to bet in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile? I mean, look, I, I think the way Cody's Wish ran in the forego against Jackie's Warrior, I, I, don't, I think Jackie ran his race. I think Cody just won. And, and, and so you, this horse needs to be the favorite, should be the favorite, is the most likely winner. But one of the things I've learned is that when you look at these 14 championship races, there is one race where something really, 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 really stupid happens. <laughs> where like you will, ne you can look at the form seven times, you can watch the race run three times, and they can let you bet it again, and you still would get it wrong. I, I just feel like this is the race that something stupid happens. I feel like this is the race where informative wins at 38 to one, and. I, I wouldn't bet him with my worst enemy's money. <laughs> I, I, I think Cody's wish is going to win. I think Laurel River is the next likely winner. I think Gunite can win. I hate the 14 days back. I think Pipeline can get sneaky. But Slow Down Andy could win, which is funny to me because Andy Serling should slow down. Um, <laughs> I think all of these horses could win this race. I think it's a very, very sneaky race, and this is the one that I'm picking to be my, like, I wasn't going to be able to figure it out, race. Chaos. Great, I'm glad you're with me on that. But I, I think Cody's right. wish is going to win. I just, but I'm wrong a lot, and and I, I think this might be one of those situations. I'll BC, BC was not going to be playing much. No, of and thank God it's not in the pick six. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the pick six, though, because it kicks off with the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf. This is another one that I think is really interesting clash where you can make case for the domestics you can make case for the shippers vanessa we'll we, start with you on yeah this we're one. not letting you pass on this yeah one. yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, if you pass no. on this one you're you're out of here yeah, in fact you I, need to speak the longest yeah i should be fine i should be fine look i just don't want to give bad information okay that's all i'm saying you've given good, some good stuff on the dirt races that you have an opinion on we respect yeah. that um so this race really intriguing to me you've got this nashua 
in here for the Gosden team comes here off the back of the run in the opera that she maybe should have won. She ran a really good race that day. It's a great story. She's written by Holly Doyle. Never mind about any of that. Just in terms of what she's done, her Goodwood Group 1 win, like, I could think that passed people by as a really top-class turf performance. She made something that was quite tricky on the day look really simple, e.g. come off the pace and do it in style. She ran a very fast time compared to Baids, who's leading horse in Europe this season. Um, ran the course and distance the day before. Loads of things stack up. You go back through her races and... It's a, that Goodwood run, the speed she showed and the ability to quicken off the pace, what she did that day. I just think that was kind of, that's been forgotten about amid lots of other good performances in Europe on the turf over these sort of trips. She's met Tuesday before from the Aidan O'Brien yard. It's interesting that when they met in the opera, Ryan Moore, who kind of gets the pick of the Coolmore horses, obviously, he jumped off Tuesday and got on above the curve. But that was because above the curve had a better draw that day. Tuesday had a crappy draw, and so he didn't want to be in that stall. Um, Ryan's back on Tuesday. And I wonder what that says about Above the Curve. I'm such a fan of hers, but her, her one poor performance this season came at Chester when she went round a really tight track. That would be a concern for me. And seeing her in the flesh again, I've seen her a few times above the curve. She's, she's a big filly, and I am worried about her here at Keeneland. And, and putting that together with the Chester form guide we have, that is a concern for me. So I keep coming back to Nashua and what she's been doing. I mean... There's a few horses in here. Mise-en-Seine is one I saw work this morning. They they did a really strong piece of work with Mise-en-Seine and they applied the blinkers. I think she could be a horse at a bigger price. But Nashua, she, she's the one who's going to operate round here. And for all, Peter is kind of probably nodding and thinking, you're going round in circles here, but it's because I, I love Above the Curve. If I could take one horse home that's running here over the weekend, it would be Above the Curve. I just, I adore her as a horse but I, I'm worried about her here at the track. So I keep coming back to Nashua for the win and maybe mise-en-scene to fill the places. There's a story that I'm not sure American racing fans are like fully up on. And so I'll just ask you the question this way. How good is Holly Doyle? Uh, Holly Doyle, so we're so blessed over in England at the moment. Our best jumps jockey is Rachel Blackmore and one of our best flat jockeys is Holly Doyle. And she's riding over here. She's obviously, she rides the Platinum Queen and she's also riding Nashua. She rides for the retained trainer, Imad Al-Sagar, who's this amazingly sort of forward and progressive, very rich owner in over in the UK. And um, yeah, it's an incredible story. But if she was to break America and win a Breeders' Cup race, it would be huge. It'd be huge over here and it'd be even bigger back home. JK, we'll bring you in to get your thoughts on the Breeders' Cup filly and Mare Turf, a race where I don't think you're siding with the shippers, are you? No, and I mean, I, no, it's just, I'm, I'm going to spread here too. I, I don't have a strong opinion at all in terms of like, like trying to like get stuck into someone where like if they lose, I, you know, if they lose, I lose type deal. I do love an Italian. Um, this is not, has nothing to do with my nuptials. I know that you're in law hunch play. No. Saw her this morning, by the way. She looked terrific. She was one I did see, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I can see that." Because my fiance that... or the your oh, fiance, your fiance, yeah. No, I was definitely um, talking both. about your fiance. I saw her walking the track, and I thought, <laughs> yeah. "Yeah, she's terrific." Um, here's the thing about an Italian is that, and I, and I think that what happens a lot of times with these euros that come over, we saw it with Day at the Spot, Saint Anita, a few years back. I just think speed is always dangerous in these situations. An Italian's going to be forward. Um, Joel's got a lot of confidence in her. He's wired two grade ones with her. He's going to send her away from there. And I think Chad's going to send, give Joel that kind of go away from there running thing. And I, I, I'm not saying she's better than a horse like Tuesday or Nashua. I'm simply saying she might work out a better trip. And um, I, I have no concerns with the distance. She's ran well at Keeneland. In the pick six, I'm going to use Nashville. I'm going to use above the curve. I'm going to use Tuesday, and I'm going to use in Italian, but I'm going to press up in Italian a little bit. Um, and when I say press up, I mean I'm going to spend a little bit more money on it in Italian than I might on the others because I just think she's pretty darn good, and, and, and I think Chad's pretty darn good, and, and I think she's a little bit sneaky in here. You can carbon copy everything J.K. said for my opinion of the race. I think in Italian's the interesting one, and I think he mentioned the horses, and Vanessa mentioned the horses you want to use with her. One thing I'm interested in tactically, and I might bring you back in here a third time, Vanessa, I mean, Holly Doyle reads the form. She's not going to let, she's got some speed. She's not going to let an Italian get too far ahead, is she? No, I mean, you'd be, she'd be, she's going to be well tuned in to what an Italian's going to do. 
And I think the thing is with Nashua, she's shown enough versatility around a variety of tracks and the way in which she's gone about either winning her races or running really well. Because don't forget some of her, her the races that she's won in, running that she hasn't won, for example, the Opera and the Epsom Oaks. Well, she was outstayed in the Oaks, so we're writing a line through that. And the Opera, she really didn't get the perfect run round. I think Holly will be very confident she's sat on a horse that she's got she's got the talent that means that she's got options. She can sit a bit closer to the pace or she can drop off it and come with a kick. She's got plenty of versatility and that's going to really help her. She'll she'll be aware of how the race is going to pan out, but if she has to drop back to option B or C, that's not going to affect her on a filly like Nashua. I think that makes a lot of sense. Really interesting race tactically. Philip, how do you think it plays out? Yeah, I'll just say, so we have going to Vegas in here. She's going to be 20 to 1. I do think there's a scenario, right, we're going to break and we're going to be forwardly placed. We were the first name drawn out. Last year we drew the rail and we just got absolutely cooked. I think the fractions in our mile and three-eighth race were faster than they were in the mile. Um, We're going to break and we're going to be aggressively ridden from the gate. And I would say in Italian, we is going to have to work to get the lead over us. Um, if she absolutely Joel sends, we're happy to. St- we don't have to have the lead. We can happily sit outside. It just doesn't feel like there's much speed. So from a gambling perspective, in Italian feels like, you know, I don't ultimately know if a mile and three sixteenths could see her out a little bit. She might get a little leg weary. But her last two races are really good. Um, the interesting thing to me is, like, Nashua kind of separated from Tuesday a little bit. You know, Tuesday won the Epsom Oaks. She ran really well in, um, you know, in the 1,000 guineas. And then she ran a huge race in the Yorkshire Oaks, where she got beat a link by Alpinista, who came back to win the arc. Incredible. Yeah. That's at a mile and a half, and I just don't – like, the distance, to me, I don't see a ton of separation between Nashua and Tuesday – Except I think Nashville might be better at a mile and three sixteenths than Tuesday. I agree with all that. Might I mean, be. Yeah, but she's right really interesting. Like if she gets a little bit lost, the last race, like at Longchamp, if you get drawn outside, you were in big trouble. Well the fact Ryan Moore abandoned her that day yeah. it was basically that that was basically Ryan, the jockey, world class jockey, essentially saying, I can't win on this horse today, so I'm gonna get off her and give myself a better chance of winning by getting on something else. That the writing was on the wall when the draw was done. Yeah. I think if like, if Tuesday showed the form she showed in the Yorkshire Oaks, which was on a little bit better ground, you know, she beat La Petite Coco as another older grade one winner um, at this mile and 316. She can absolutely win this, and she's going to be – it's Aiden and Ryan Moore, so I don't want to say they're going to get lost in the betting, but it feels like Nash was the horse that's going to take all the betting. Um, Got to be fourth choice Tuesday, and I agree. Yeah. I mean, that's the best bit of form on offer. Yeah, I do worry about the mile on three sixteen. Yeah, that's though. a huge. You know, that th- this is another race. There are very few races in the Breeders' Cup. The turf sprint, the dirt mile, can be a different configuration, and this race can be a different distance. Like last year was a mile and three eighths, so it's three sixteenths of a longer distance. Uh, it's shorter this year, which you know can it obviously has has an impact. That was a good race to do a little bit longer on for various reasons, not in, you know, including the sponsor participation and just a lot of different angles to talk through. Well, we may pick up the pace a little bit here as we get through the middle of the Breeders' Cup Saturday card. Next up is the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Philip, very curious to get your thoughts on this one. Is it as simple as Jackie's Warrior? Yeah, I mean, I want to pick something, somebody other than Jackie's Warrior, but I just can't find anybody that's anywhere close as, or as fast as he is early. And to me, he just feels like, you know, his third or fourth best race is probably good enough to win. I just don't want any part of trying to beat him. It feels like he's going to have the field over a barrel from a pace perspective. Um, You know, maybe he lost a little bit of luster last time, but they went pretty quick, and Cody's Wish got the right trip. I I don't want any part of trying to beat Jackie's Warrior. I hear you. I'm going to go with Kamari, though, in here. Another one of the runners I saw this week that was one of those, wait a second, who is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, just looks absolutely beautiful out there. And I think could be maybe a little bit better than should be price if the crowd just goes completely nuts over Jackie's Warrior. I'll have loads of Jackie's Warrior on tickets. But I think Kamari is an interesting alternative. Vanessa, do you have any kind of view on this one? I, I'd agree with you with what you're saying about Kamari in terms of how she's looked. I've seen her a good bit, and um, she gets loads of ticks in terms of how she looks but 
going back to what you were saying in terms of Jackie's Warrior and how, I mean, like, again, I just had a look at these races and I was going through it and I was like, oh God, like, this is one of those races where it's just so blindingly obvious that the line that you've just said there about how one of Jackie's Warriors sort of third or fourth best performances could win this, that was exactly my view in this race. I kept thinking, I kept just thinking, this is surely just an absolute knees up for him. Now, a man who does not hesitate to back a short-priced favorite in the right context when there's uh, outsized value on the line, like, say, the Breeders' Cup betting challenge is sitting down to the right end of the table here. JK, will, how much of your money will run through Jackie's Warrior in this race? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I mean, I think he's going to win. Um, I, and I, I think that I, – I just – I'm a little bit nervous. He, he – he, is, you know, I, I understand why he ran the way he did last time. I think he's one of those horses that the faster he goes early, the better. Not one of those, let's, like, try to, like, save ourselves and then sprint for home. Speed I, is his weapon. Yeah, I think he's better, and I think they're not going to jack around with him this time around. No pun sure, intended. Sure, Kamari could win. Oh, that's good. Uh, very good, Pete. That's why you're an author. Uh, <laughs> New York Times bestselling author, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Is that true? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Really? You didn't yeah, know that yeah, about yeah. me? Yeah, you can't tell that. with that hat. <laughs> <laughs> um, this actually, the hat. This, this was actually when I when I when I lived in England. This was a Halloween costume. I, I, was, I get that. I was I was a rich American. I was a rich American <laughs> owner. If right. You, yeah. It, no, I see that. Yeah. If you wear that hat, you can write a book. Um, <laughs> I did not know this information. Yeah. I, a, well, you're welcome. <laughs> um, Back to Jackie's work. I think Jackie's in a gallop in here. I just. I, I'm going to have to have a little bit of saver money on him. But here's my problem, and, and, and I try not to get caught up in sentiment. But, like, Jackie's Warrior won a grade one at two at Saratoga, a grade one at three at Saratoga, a grade one at four at Saratoga. And, and, and he has never won a Breeders' Cup? He, he has to win a Breeders' Cup. <laughs> he, he, he has to win a That's Breeders' Cup. That's the narrative race. in this race, Has right? to. He just has to. He's drawn perfectly toward the outside. I don't think anyone wants to go with him. If they try to go with him, it's it's it's, it's I hate saying the S word because that doesn't make any sense. It's 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 not a good decision for them. They're not going to end up well. I just think Jackie's Warriors in a gallop in here. I will save a little bit with horses like Elite Power, American Theorem, and Kamari. Um, I will probably go straight to the Bluegrass Airport if someone else wins. <laughs> The Breeders' Cup Mile is next up, race number eight on Saturday. All right, I'm, I'm doing the cliche now, and we're throwing to the Brit for the, the turf races. But, Vanessa, I do want to bring you in, and I want to know, we've talked about this race throughout the week, what's your final answer in the Breeders' Cup Mile? I, I don't know. I still don't know. I am aware you this is... You can't not know when it's the final answer. you got to make something up. you got to just know. pick. I know. Sorry, but it's just so hard. Honestly, it's just so hard because... I can see all the cases for Kinross. Kinross has been such an amazing racehorse in the last, well, in the, in the last couple of seasons for the Rafe Beckett team. But more recently, being able to do the sort of seven furlong then sprinting group one double that he's done coming into this race, he showed such like maturity and versatility. And I just, nothing about, I, I, there's nothing about him that puts me off him, if that makes sense. But at the same time, I just keep coming back to modern games. And the issue is with modern games is he was ticking all the boxes. He was the outright clear cut favorite for this race, going to win it, happy days. And then they ran him at Ascot on Champions Day over the mile there on soft ground that he didn't like. And that performance, he was beaten by a 33 to one shot that day. It's massively put me off him. It was only three weeks ago. I think, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a very weird thing that the Appleby team ran him that day. They didn't need to. He had the Breeders' Cup on his target prior to that run. and then Maybe all, the champion trainer thing. Well, of course. So coming to that, at the time, for anyone who isn't in on the loop at this, Charlie Appleby was going for the trainer's championship in the UK. William, um, William Haggis was beating him and had Baid running on Champions Day. If Baid had won on Champions Day, William Haggis would have won the Trainers' Championship. So Godolphin threw loads of darts at the board, essentially. And Modern Games was kind of part of that game playing that was going on around the British Trainers' Championship at the time. My concern is how much of an edge has that taken off him coming here? I would be all over him. He'd be my bet of the weekend over Highfield Princess and everything else I've mentioned if he hadn't run at Ascot. But the fact that he comes here, obviously that means that we're getting a bigger price about him, happy days. But <laughs> I am concerned about that run. And so then I come back to Kinross, who's stepping up to the mile, but it's like, if he's gonna get the mile, it's here. 
but surely Modern Games is better suited to this race than Kinross. I've tied myself up in a knot here. I don't know what I'm doing. I honestly, I genuinely <laughs> it's don't. It's that kind of race, though. It's I can't so, even make fun of you. No, I know. It's just, it is really confusing. You've got likes of Dream Loper in here as well for the Brits, for Ed Walker. That would be a huge result for him. But she comes here. She's got a great record coming here. But you can kind of like, some of her wins have caveats. E.g. a fatal injury, unfortunately, happening in one of her Group 1 wins with Caribus, And kind of excuses for a few of the other runners in behind her. I'm, I'm not mad about her in this race. I think it is Modern Games or Kinross. And I think, are you making me choose right now? Yeah, you got to pick. What are the prices? Uh, <laughs> Seven to two for Modern Games, nine to two for Kinross. And Modern Games probably comes down because of connections, I would think. I'm going to go Modern Games. But honestly, by Saturday morning, I could be back in Kinross. I just... <laughs> I had similar not tying. And you know what it made me do? It made me say, let's look closer at the home team. And okay. when I did okay, that, I already fair. know where Pete's going. Uh, when, I, when I did that, I, I, I went to Annapolis. I, I think this horse is an improving three-year-old. The last race, very, very strong. Has the run over the course and distance. And I think is poised to step up. Looked fantastic in the mornings this week. I'm also not forgetting about, and granted, at the morning line price, that would be just the price. But I think we could get more on the day. Don't forget all about Smooth Like Straight in here. This is a horse who has some buried okay races this year, who's run really well in the Breeders' Cup Mile. He was available in your land last week at 33 to one, listed at 10 to one on the USA Morning Line. The real price is somewhere in between. I like those two. I will save and mess around with the obvious ones coming in from overseas. But uh, I think this could be one for, for Team USA in the Breeders' Cup Mile. Did you say that, Philip, because you, you agree with me or because you disagree with me? I just thought for sure you were going to pick Ivar because I think you've picked him in every I single I do like Ivar a lot, done. and I think he could hit the board. I don't know that he can beat all these horses, but he's I an extremely cool horse. I ended up – I like Ivar. I think there's a world where this pace could get really hot. You have two horses in here that – absolutely want to be on the front end and beyond brilliant and smooth like straight um and i think smooth like straight being drawn inside of beyond brilliant just guarantees a quick pace i think last time like last time felt like the right time for annapolis he was six to one he got a perfect trip saved ground every step of the way ivar ended up having to come really wide um he's gonna have to work out a trip from the outside He's certainly improving. Um, you know, it'd be hard to fault him off his last two races. But I would have said the same thing. I think modern games, if he hadn't run, he would have been eight to five. And you would have felt way more comfortable backing him at eight to five than you do now backing him at seven to two. One hundred percent. Totally like, agree. Yeah. Just because of, of the fact that he that he ran. Um, I kind of agree, like a horse like Ken Ross, I don't mind the stretch up like some of these races in Europe where he's running on soft ground at seven furlongs. That's like a mile in the U.S. Like, I don't have – you know, he might not see it out the length of the stretch, but it's a little bit easier to get the distance in the U.S. for the most part because you have a turn. Uh, you have two turns in this race. It just makes it a little bit easier on the horses. And I actually like that Ken Ross, you know, he won the City of York, which is a left-handed track. It's the same um, configuration as, as here, and that's a very long stretch, which makes me feel like if you can get seven-eighths at York going around a bend, you can get a mile here. Um I ended up going with with Ivar, um, but I do like Ken Ross a lot, and yeah, you know, I wouldn't. Be, I'm not going to toss modern games, but I'm going to do everything I I can around those three, um, and the betting with Ivar just being the, the biggest price. And I think, again, probably a little unlucky last time, and could be the beneficiary of of a hot pace. At this point in the day, we're going to be getting down to the nitty gritty in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, JK. Is this a race where you'll be taking a stand? No, I won't, I won't be involved um, BCBC-wise. I mean, look, I mean, we, you know, I think one of the things I always encourage horse players to understand is, like, know what you don't know. Like, I don't have an opinion here. I'm going to single. I'm all about that. These I'm going to single. Races. Exactly. I'm a single horse's, like, flight line. Um, I have a, an opinion in the next of who I don't like. This is just not a race, so I have a strong opinion. And I and I, I hate the idea, and we were talking about it at the bar a second ago, I hate the idea that you have to have a strong opinion or an opinion in every race. Wait, I don't you, have one. You so and Vanessa were hanging out at a bar? I'm so surprised. <laughs> no, 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 no. It wasn't um, even with me, but it's so true that. Like, you yeah. don't, you know, you can't, if we all had the strong opinion in every race, we'd be losing money very, very quickly, wouldn't yeah. we? Like, you, you know, because we can't always be right all the time. And sometimes you have to concede that actually it's not the race for you. It, it is the final answer show, JK. If no, I made no, you, I you make no, a pick, 
Who Pete, would you go with? I've hung out with you long enough to know you weren't. You knew I was going to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, look, I, I think Modern Games is the most likely winner, and, and I'm concerned with the same things that Vanessa expressed. But I will say that, like, Chad is not at some point in his career where he needs to somehow, like, take some kind of wild shot to prove he belongs. Like, domestic spending, especially for that owner, for Seth Klarman, who does not put any pressure on Chad. No pressure. And the fact that he decided to bring this horse back off that long layoff, Chad is a 25% career trainer. Okay, every race he runs in, 25% of the time he wins. 27% off the layoff. He would not run this horse in this spot if, if he wasn't ready to run. Now, it's still a long layoff. You gotta go hand, answer all those questions. I get he, he's, he's drawn the 14. But if you look at domestic spending, early in his races, he's 6th, 7th, 5th, 3rd, 9th, 8th, 7th, 4th. It doesn't matter. He's going to take back and make one run anyways, especially considering the, the circumstances. This horse would have been the favorite last year or pretty darn close to the favorite in the Breeders' Cup turf. It probably still would have been Tarnawa, but he would have been right there. He's talented, and they're going to let him go at, at 8, 9, 10 to 1. I'm going to use domestic spending for sure. Let's talk about race number nine, which is the Breeders' Cup Distaff. Now, JK, early on in proceedings, I remember you telling me that uh, your take on this race was simply that Todd Pletcher was going to win it. I'm going to throw down a head-to-head -head challenge to you right now. You can have the two Pletcher runners. I'll have the two Steve Asmussen runners. Are you in? Yeah, I mean, I'm in because I'm not going to ever tell you no. But <laughs> you're, you're showing off right now because... You know that I kind of like Clarier now, and you're, you're, you're trying to stuff me in a locker. He's being a dick. Yeah, exactly. He's being a dick. Uh, he is. A he good is. host sometimes has to be a bit of a jerk, no, okay? I mean, I think Malathot or Nest win, but I have changed my opinion a little bit, which horse players, change your opinion. That's our you prerogative, yes. Stop. Like, you love a horse seven months ago. You don't have to love the horse today. Um, Clarier, I believe, really did bite her tongue. And in, in the last race, and I don't she mean that. She smashed her head against the yeah. against the gate. And she and, had yeah. a nasty cut in her tongue in the personal incident. And if, I mean, if if you don't give me a good breakfast, I'm not running anywhere. <laughs> I just feel like she's going to run better. I'm forgiving her for her last, and if I forgive her for her last, I have to consider her an equal to a horse like Malathot. I need all three of them. I've I love that you're a man here. of a forgiving nature. This bodes well for your future partner. Well done. <laughs> Vanessa, we'll bring you in on this one. You've seen these horses out there in the morning this week. Do you have a thought for the Breeders' Cup distaff? Well, not, I mean, not so much a sort of takeaway from the mornings, actually, but more just in and around Nest. Kind of like coming over here, loads of people like, oh, you're going to Breeders' Cup? Like, are you across your dirt form? Like, surely Nest just wins? Like, loads of people. There seems to be a lot of hype around Nest. And I, 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 it's rare obviously flight line aside, but in terms of the other dirt races, when you're over in Europe, it's rare that anyone even kind of knows a, uh, a dirt horse, genuinely. I know that probably sounds completely mad to you guys, but <laughs> the fact that loads of people were saying to me, like, your dirt races, and they go to Nest straight away, I was really shocked by that. It feels like Nest has really gathered, gathered some sort of worldwide momentum somehow. And then I looked at the race and I suddenly thought, surely you can take her on in this race. What with? Maybe I'll just follow JK, but like, <laughs> I, I was a bit kind of, I was surprised at how much momentum Nest has in terms of popularity versus her price and if she's the most likely winner of the race. You guys both made the point before about people going crazy about ones yeah. all the way in the right-hand number. They also go crazy about open-length victories. Yeah. And that's something that's, you know, Nest I, certainly has, but against her own uh, generation yeah. to, to step up. It seems like you have a comment on that, JK. No, I, I, well, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. I don't have a comment on what you said, but I love you, and I'm just going to go to Oh, I appreciate <laughs> that. That's very nice. That's very nice. We'll keep you around a little I longer. will say this, that I, and I, I didn't say this, but I want to say it. I think that search, uh, search results, Ogden Phipps, she was third that day, was the best race that anyone in this race has ever run. Wow. that's. I mean, I get it. She was 
ran unsustainably fast early. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I think that exact race is why society has a chance. Because I don't think they're going to dead send search results after that. I think there's a world in which society gets loose in this spot with uh, Florent Giroux up. Now, I'm picking Clarier. That's my, my top pick in the race. But I think when I made that Asmussen versus Pletcher bet, I think they both go uh, go with a live chance in the, in this spot. But where do you, now these days, where do you put search results, JK, versus, you, you know, you didn't mention her in your original spiel. Would she be in your, like, top two or three picks in this I race? Know, I just, I'm not crazy about her last two races, right? Like, from a speed figure standpoint. I just wanted to say that out loud. Um, almost as like a note to myself that I need to save a little bit with her. But her race three back in the Ogden Fifth, where she was third to Clarier and Malathot, was the best race any of these other horses have ever run. She just happened to run third. Uh, side note, horse players, stop being results-oriented and believe in the process. Like, her process in that race, she was the best. She, she didn't win. She ran unsustainably fast, and it was yeah. an absolutely huge race. We certainly agree about that. Philip decide the matter for us in the Breeders' Cup distance. Yeah, I think this is a race, you know, you have to play nest in multis, but at anything close to nine to five, I just don't know how you could better in a, in, like to win or in a vertical. Um, you know, she could absolutely win. I do think the the one positive for nest is she probably has a tactical advantage over Clarier and Malifat. Um, I love Malifat. I've, you know, I think we did this for the Oaks one year, and I was like, that's my, my strongest opinion 100%. of the whole year. Yep. Um, I think the first one of these shows we ever did. Yeah. And I just think she ran, and the, the Phipps, she got beat by Clarier. They both ran well. I agree with you. You know, search results, Chase, Chase Latruska, and then just paid for it in the end. Um, they put blinkers on in the shoe V, and then she just kind of ran weird. But the last two races have just been have been very impressive to me. You know, a Clarier could absolutely win. I just think, in my mind, if I wanted to take Malathat or Clarier, I just think Malathat's maybe a little bit better. Um, and Clarier to me has got to prove something like in multis I'll use Clarier when horses run bad and they have a really bad experience like that I don't think it, I just couldn't bet her with a lot of conviction I'll use her in multis but to me um, what my concern at this point is mouth that could end up getting coming down in odds and be nine to five or, or something like that if Nest doesn't take a bunch of action but um, you know I'll be aggressively betting mouth that probably Next up, we have the Breeders' Cup turf, and I'm going to reject the cliche and not go to Vanessa first. Oh, wait, what? No. <laughs> you can be second. But first up, we're going to hear from Philip Shelton. Who wins the Breeders' Cup turf? I think Warlike Goddess wins. Um, I think this is not a great version of the race. I think the European horses that are coming over are not as good as some of the ones that have come over in the past. And I just feel like she's shown a little bit more tactical speed at a mile and a half. Like, back when she was running a mile and a quarter, she would be further back. Um, she ran huge last year. Like, in my mind, you know, she ran just as just as good as, like, you know, Love's Only You. Love's Only You would be eight to five in here. I mean, this, it, to me, it just doesn't feel like a great version of the race. I, I like the fact that they're keeping her at a mile and a half. And I like the fact that she's got a little bit more speed. Um, than she has maybe shown in the past. And to me, um, I just hope I get nodded to. I, I, have a, I like her a lot. I'm glad somebody picked her because I'm not sure you're going to hear much about her from the, for the rest of the panel. And she's so cool and so talented. But Vanessa, who do you think is going to win the Breeders' Cup turf? Um, I mean, it's, this is so intriguing for me. So we've got two good dolphin horses at the top there, Rebels Romance and Nation's Pride. Nation's Pride is the horse that U.S punters are more in tune with due to his performances on the international stage at Belmont and Saratoga and now that it's been confirmed that first string rider William Buick rides Nation's Pride there's a lot of sway towards him in the market Rebels Romance for me he's got this weird German group one form it's just not the form that is transferable to a Keeneland racetrack I think he's a very talented individual but he kind of does it in a grinding fashion rather than a sort of gliding fashion if you want to call it that he's four from four on the turf he's got this very weird profile they campaigned him as an all-weather horse he went off the ball in Maidan he came back and since he's been running at this trip on the turf he's just honestly taken a step forward every time for me 
Rebel's romance is more of a work in progress. He might in his career end up as the best rated horse out of this race, genuinely, but I'm not sure. More, more so than Mishriff? Uh, not sorry, sorry. Mishriff is on his way out. This is last run before I'm sort of talking about in the future next year, and we're talking about these horses. Fair Mish enough. Mishriff, obviously, very highly rated, but he's on his way out in terms of this is his swan song. Whereas Rebels Romance and Nation's Pride, we hopefully will see them again next year. Nation's Pride, his performances at Saratoga and Belmont have, have been impressive, and so much sort of momentum and confidence behind him. Um, and he does have. I, I just, I'm kind of with you in terms of like, I'm not sure this is a particularly good renewal of this race. And I think people are latching on to a Godolphin runner and William Buick in the saddle. And they think that this is kind of a, a repeat of what we've seen in the past. But I do think it's more open than it looks. And it's interesting that Godolphin also have found their way to the top of the betting. I think there's value to be had out, outside of that. And for me, Stone Age for the Aidan O'Brien team, he was, when he run, he won a Leopardstown Epsom Derby trial, and it was literally like he was the second coming that day. He got cut to seven to two for the Derby at home. He blew out there. We've seen him in America since, and things have gone wrong for him. Draw, the run that he's had through, the way he's been used as sort of to push the pace in more recent times. They're gonna ride him. In the past, I feel like he's kind of had a bit of a, he's kind of got the short straw in terms of how he's been ridden in his races. I I know his form figures do not look appealing, but he still remains a horse of serious ability. And at the price he's at now, he's too big a price in here. People have really latched on to the Godolphin horses. And for me, Stone Age, I've seen him in the mornings as well. He looks terrific. He leads the Aidan O'Brien string each morning and he looks in really good nick with himself. I think they'll ride him to win this race rather than how they've ridden him the last few times. And I just think if things go better for him from a better draw, he'll run better than his price, and he's definitely in my places. I get it. I get it absolutely. I have a strong opinion in here, and it's taken all week Come to on. develop. Hit me with it. So here it is. You know, if we, if we were looking at this race five years from now, yeah. there's no doubt about who the best horse is. Mi and that horse is six to one. I've tipped my hand. Isn't it Mishriff? He hated the ground the last day, got cuddled home. And if you look at the best bits of this horse's form, I mean, he's succeeded around tight bends. He, I, looking at him also, he just looks yeah. good. Now, he, I want your opinion on this because there's a world in which he, it's the the last race. He's over the top, et cetera, et cetera. But and your eyes more trained than than, than mine. You know, I, I I don't ride horses. Maybe an elephant if we could find one, we I could get get on the back of. But I think this horse looks phenomenal, and I think I'm going to be betting him here at odds of about six to one. Yeah, look, I. 100% see the case for Mishriff. Um, the fact that at one time he was the most kind of coveted racehorse in the world in the early part of the 2021 season. I mean, he was just at the absolute peak. He's dropped from a rating of off the top of my head, I think it's 125 to 121. So, I mean, the official ratings tell you the story of how his career is going. He's an older horse now, and the official ratings are rarely wrong, I personally find. He is on the decline, but it's kind of whether the Godolphin horses are on the incline and he's on the decline and it's where they match sort of on that trajectory. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, but if they flip the prices, I'd have a different opinion. I'm just yeah. saying at the sixes that we think he's going to be, I and think this is what you're supposed, I, you're I supposed to be. I think the big question too is just, is a mile and a half his best distance? No, well, It's question, not, but it's he not. can get it around here. That's yeah, my, that's, that's my view. It's, it's, I think the answer to that question is no, it is not. But if he is going to get it, it's here at Keeneland on this sort of track. Um, in terms of what I've seen of him in the morning, he's, he's really, he looks great. Like, honestly, he looks great. He's been bouncing around the practice track the two mornings that I've been here, the training track. He hasn't been out on the main track. But, I mean, he's, he's really bright eyes. He looks a million dollars. And because he's so well-traveled, I feel like as an older horse, the change of scene has probably sort of put a bit of a pep in his step. You know, I feel that he's kind of probably really appreciating where he's at right now at Keeneland. And I, I think he could run above his odds, but I hope that 
Stone Age beats him, basically. <laughs> Fair enough. And I mean, reaching for a bigger price, I think, I mean, honestly, I think makes more sense than just landing Appleby in here. I also do need to talk very quickly about Broom, who I think goes with a chance. I was down on this horse after the Sword Dancer, but watching it back and looking at the form of that race, he just didn't break, and he still ran okay. I think they'll try to ride him a bit more forward in here. We saw what he did in this race last year. I think at the prices, he's another one to include. You're uh, you're absolutely convincing me about keeping Stone Edge, uh, Stone Edge. Stonehenge, Stone Age on some tickets. But Broom is another I need to mention in here as well. Do you give him any count? Uh, no. I mean, I haven't, I haven't mentioned him thus far for a reason. Uh, no. Should we move on? Let's, well, we got to bring in JK. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quick here. I, I have a strong opinion and a question. Um, when, when it comes to Mishriff, to me, and, and I want to hear what Vanessa has to say, this is a question for her, is with it being a swan song, considering he won almost $16 million, <laughs> Is there a reason, in your opinion, the owner or John Gosden would bring him here if he wasn't ready to run? Yeah, really interesting angle. So we last saw him in the arc. I was shocked they ran him in the arc. I didn't think that that was what he wanted Too on any level. on unsuitable ground. Absolutely, exactly that. So it was a bit weird they ran him in that. And I know he finished down the field, but actually when you watch back the run, it really wasn't as bad as the sort of form figure, the actual bare form figure suggests. And the fact that they've brought him here, they could have just, the point you're getting at is he's already got a stud deal. He's already going to stud. So what he does this weekend, it doesn't affect anything. It literally doesn't affect anything. All it is, is for me, they've, and, and they're not the sort of owners or the sort of trainers or jockeys that are coming here for the holiday. They're here because they think they've got a horse that is suited to the test. And as a result, they're here to win the race. That is a really interesting angle for me because I think if they had called time on Mishriff's career after the arc run, we would have all gone, yeah, fair enough, off you go to stud, happy days. But the fact that they've kept him in training, the fact that they're bringing him here, there's loads of positives there. Okay, that's my pick. Um, <laughs> and the last thing I'll say is Warlike Goddess, and I, I hope this is not a medallion horse in here, but here's the thing. Warlike Goddess, she has only been beating up on you know, inferior horses in her division. Bye-bye Melvin, uh, Colt, Astronaut, Colt, whatever. Virginia Joy, stop it. <laughs> Costana, Temple City Terror, who's actually pretty nice. I mean, Virginia Joy, Family Way, Core Values, my sister Nat. Ugh, no, she's not winning this race. Like, it, again, if you were to kind of to do a sort of form trajectory, I feel like the US horses, Warlike Goddess essentially, is bringing in this level. And I feel like all the European horses we're talking about are bringing in like up here level, right? I love Warlike Goddess. Love her. Uh, I sat there with my father-in-law. She snapped us. It, it was awful. <laughs> is this your father-in-law, the one yeah. who I've been putting abuse at? <laughs> no, 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 no. Line of sight. When Line of she sight. when she lost to Virginia Joy, I don't care how bad her trip was. She was a complete bet against in the Breeders' Cup turf off of that trip. Virginia Joy is not very good. No offense to Chad Brown or, or Peter That was Brent. the worst ride in the last five years, yeah, Jonathan. But, but, she but, came but, home in like 10 seconds. No horse could have won from there. Uh... Nation's Pride would have won from there. Rebels Romance would have won from there. Mistriff would have won from there. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, Highland Chief might have won from there. Philip I and I are going. disagreeing with yeah. you vehemently. That's I just don't. I, she's just. She's very. <laughs> she's an awesome horse. Awesome, but not against this group. So Breeders' Cup betting challenge wise, now I don't want to make you tip your hand completely. No, no, I don't care. Give us if a, people aren't going to do what I'm going to do. If I have eighty thousand okay. dollars, I'll bet yeah, it good, all. Good luck to anybody. On tossing here. warlike goddess with horses that I like in here into a horse that will not lose if he breaks from the gate. Well, and that's the perfect segue. And normally I'd say, oh my God, what a host fail. We only have four minutes left to talk about the Breeders' Cup Classic, but maybe not this year, especially JK did the juvenile in two words. I think he only needs one for the Classic. No, I'm gonna do more than that. This horse <laughs> is too special for that. I'll be, I'll be quick though, because you know, whatever. He, um, I, he ran a, what was this buyer? I don't have it in front of me. What was his buyer? 126-ish? 126. He'll run faster than that. He, he's an absolute freak. He's the greatest horse I've ever seen step on the dirt in my lifetime, which is not as long as some might. You Are know. you trying to say I'm old, JK? Oh, no. You're, you're, <laughs> what, what, you're, a, you're a boomer, aren't you? This is awkward now. Not a boomer. So not a boomer. Almost. You're right there. And you're, you're a the, fake millennial. You're on the edge. I am in off the goalpost, but Flightline is going to absolutely gallop in this race. It's the fastest horse I've ever seen 
he will not lose this race if he breaks from the gate. Let's bring in an actual young person for her <laughs> thought on the Breeders' Cup Classic. Are, you know, obviously, Flight Line's been a huge story all around the world. What do you think of his chances in here, Vanessa? Is there, is there any sense in opposing him? No, no. There's no sense in opposing him. I'm with JK. It's all about Flight Line here. For your money, like, go for your life on Flight Line. But just in terms of a broader point, you know, uh, every sport needs a champion. And you guys in America are blessed at the moment with Flight Line. He's really sort of captured the imagination of the Europeans and even further afield as well. And I just think for the sake of, for, for racing, like all sports need a champion and Flight Line's a champion. And I wanna see him win. I wanna see him win by a distance. I wanna see people walking off the track saying that's the best they've ever seen because that's what our sport needs. You know, in this modern day and age, I worry about horse racing on a few levels. But champions like Flightline, like really like I was there performances is what we need in this sport. And I think on Saturday he's going to produce that. I think and I hope it. I want to see it. I want to say that I was here for it. It could be it could be magic. I have almost nothing to add. I'll just talk betting strategy a little bit. Life is good. Such a cool horse. I think he couldn't face a tougher situation. I'm playing Flightline, who I think will put on a show and potentially win by a pole over the three-year-olds in exactas and tries. Philip, once again, can we make it a chorus? Yeah, I mean, the only question to me really is that, you know, at the quarter pole in all of his races, the race is basically over. And that's not going to be the case, I think, in here. And so he is going to get asked a question that he's never had to answer. Now, I think just like you guys that he's just the best by a significant margin. But I don't take it for granted that, you know, there are horses that when everything's easy, they look like superstars. But and the when they get in a little bit, yeah. what happens when he has to hit a gear that he has to hit? You don't think the toughness he, he showed in the Met Mile gives you some confidence about his ability to do that? I think in the he ran well in the Met Mile after breaking slow. It was a five-horse field where he was less than one to two. And, like, the form of that race just has not been good. Happy Saver is, is okay. And Speaker's Corner looked really good at the time, and it turned out he's a bit of a fraud. So I just I like, hate a fraud. Like <laughs> what I would say is that I want no part in trying to beat Flightline, but he is going to have. What makes horses great in my mind, and what makes a champion and an all-time great horse, is do you show up with the same Pacific Classic performance on the big stage against nice. the best horses when you have to do it a different way? I mean. The Pacific Classic was great. That race was over at the three-eighths pole. It wasn't even – I mean, it was like, by the time they got in the stretch, it was just – it was a procession. This level of horse a lot different. And I just think the fact, like, life is good is drawn inside. He has one way to go, and it's straight to the lead. When they kick up around the turn and life is good kicks, it's not like anything Flightline's faced before. Do I think he's going to blow the doors off of them? Yes. But there is this thing in the back of my mind that says, hey, once he gets in a dogfight, what if – Somebody, you know, like Olympiad is more aggressively ridden. The reality is Flightline can get whatever kind of trip he wants. He's fast enough. He could sit right off. He could go to the lead. I just think it's it's not a foregone conclusion that when push comes to shove and he has to do it, can he do it? Do I think he's going to? Yes. But yeah. I, ju I just – I've got two follow-up questions. The first is actually going to be for Vanessa. What okay. Philip is saying is – Jonathan's ready to speak, but I got one for you, and I'm halfway there. He's basically saying, is this horse a flat-track bully? You know, that that, oh, yeah, that, yeah. that idea. I, to me, I put that idea out of my head at the Met Mile, but explain that concept real quick of the flat track bully, and then we'll let Jonathan have the last Well, the here. kind of flat track bully thing is like, they do things so easily. They're like the kid in class that is just so far forward that they never really have to put in any effort. And then when someone comes and challenges them for a bit of effort, it's suddenly like, oh shit, how much effort do I have left? Oh God, I don't know. And then it's sort of, they're doing everything so easily and within their own realms of kind of what is comfortable that when you ask them to go out of that comfort zone, how much is actually there? You hope that there's loads there, but you don't know until you actually kind of look under the bonnet. And we haven't really, even in the Met Mile, like did we really look under the bonnet? That's the hood for those of you who don't know what a bonnet <laughs> hood. is. Sorry, the hood. <laughs> we won't get started about the boot, etc. <laughs> Um, JK, you want to talk desperately. No, I, I just want to say that, like, the, the, the answer to the question is, who has he beat? And the only answer that matters to me is the clock. 
I'm a believer in speed figures. I'm a believer in, in, in when the clock stops. I'm a believer in how the track changes. And he's really, really fast. <laughs> and I don't give a shit who looked him in the eyes. He'd bury them all. He's going to win for absolute fun. If he loses, it's from a scenario that I couldn't even imagine. But if he pops away from there, he's going to win. Philip, I have to hold your feet to the fire, and this will be it, and we'll, we'll get to the bar. But if you were going to play some of your money to beat him, who would it be with? Uh, I wouldn't play any money. to. I mean, I, I basically agree with JK. I just think there is this thing in the back of my mind that says that. Uh, to me, the great thing about horse racing is you don't have to take a stand against flight line to find some value. What if you just have a really strong opinion that Taiba is the – like my personal opinion is I'm going to bet hopefully I can get 6-1 to one on flight line over Taiba and Look, just make us, you know, like epicenter could get a perfect trip. But how do you create value? And what if you can turn flight line into four to one because you like epicenter? And that's, you know, or, or play a But Taiba is the one you'd be looking for. If I pressed. just think he might offer the most value, and I think he is probably as good as Epicenter. We are over time, folks. What an amazing audience. What an amazing venue. What an amazing panel. Let's hear it for Philip Shelton, well Vanessa Ryle, JK, and the audience. Give yourselves a hand of applause as well. How much fun is it to work with our friends at TaylorMade Partnerships? Everybody we deal with is an absolute pleasure. From, uh, from top to bottom. It's just so great to be here. We thank you so much. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our <laughs> chief creative officer is that guy over there, Jonathan Kitchen. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your Breeders' Cup photos. Woo. <laughs>